and for me to have a wireless microphone on, but uh, we, we had a request today to record adult Sunday school for people who can't be here, so I know there's at least, at least one family who is specifically interested in what we're going to say about human race, the, the plank for today, so... Uh, yeah, so I think I think we'll give folks another minute and see what they do with Easter here. But the, the email that went out yesterday may have been too little, too late, huh? Thank you, dear. Oh, there are more. Look at all that. Oh, I got all kinds of junk. In fact, one of the things I was laughing about just a minute ago is I I check the lost and found table in the office, and just about every week, there's a pair of my sunglasses on the lost and found table. <clears throat> I just cannot keep it together. Well, that's right. And, but if I start thinking about things that way, there's no end to the destruction I might, might be involved in. So if, if we do end up being a small group this morning, let's just participate like crazy and uh, we'll end up having a, a joyful discussion one way. You don't show what? Yeah. Neil, Neil sent an email uh, late in the afternoon, evening, yeah. <laughs> reminding. No. Yeah. All right. So... Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. We thank you that we're able to gather in your name. We know that uh, Resurrection Sunday is a special thing for us, and, and it's special because we specifically focus on you. We focus on how uh, you died for us, and it, you allowed yourself to be buried, and then you rose again from the dead. And Lord, your word tells us that that's the big event, that if that did not happen, then what's the point of following you? What's the point of being a Christian? And the answer is, there is none. But since you have been raised from the dead, uh, we can worship you, we can celebrate you, we can discover how you want us to live our lives. So thank you for empowering each one of us by your Holy Spirit, and thank you for guaranteeing that because you rose from the dead, we also are going to rise from the dead. So bless us this morning as we study, and uh, help us to appreciate you for all that you are. In your name, amen. If you just materialize right now, come on and grab a sheet from me. <clears throat> well, well, it's a special. Did I not give you one, Aaron? Here I was, here I was talking about all the, the wonderful. <clears throat> did I miss Naomi? I did. Oh, I'm sharing so hard though. Is it, John might want to write something down, and then you might want to write something down. They might not be the same thing. So, all, right. all right, well, let's dive in. 
So, we are on Morning Mary. Morning, Kelly and Christy. I do have the hand up, but I'll be willing to put them in the back immediately here for your wife. Oh, okay. And yourself. Yep, you're welcome. So, yeah, let's set these away in the back here. And then if you could just point at them when people wander in. So, well, let's, let's de- disconnect that. And, just, and if they try to pass the handout, just trip them. Okay. So, no, it's right here. Stop. All right. So, <laughs> the Christian faith, it's a violent one. <laughs> you know, that's actually one of the things that I deeply love about our faith is that it's not a violent one. Nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus ever ask you to do anything harmful to another person. And I've, I've, I've cycled over that year after year after year, and, and I love that, that my calling is to bless and not to curse. Okay? My overall job is to bring blessing into the lives of other people and not blessing from me, but be a conduit of blessing, right? Be Jesus' channel of blessing other people. So the first thing that we're going to be blessed with is an answer to a question. So you will recall that right at the end, <clears throat> isn't that beautiful to just be able to sit down between your sons and to know and to know that they're big fellas and they love the Lord and that He's got great plans for their lives? So I sit down in between my sons and the older two out tall me. Was, is there an actual word for that? Are taller than... <clears throat> but there, there needs to be a verb that means to have outgrown someone else. Uh, anyway, uh, they both stand six foot three. And I... Yeah. And I just barely stand six feet, so I look pretty small <clears throat> between uh, Aiden and, and Evan. And then Toby's about my height, so they've all, they've all gotten to be full size, um, which is great. So here's the question. If you look at the second small paragraph, <clears throat> we had a plank in number four that said, we believe the primary evidence of the presence and filling of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit rather than a miraculous sign. And then Kevin had raised the question last week, if I exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, isn't that... Isn't that supernatural? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. Okay, so it is supernatural for me to love you as Jesus loves you. Okay, that, is, that is beyond what I can do in my natural self. And if any of you have spent time with me, you will know that when I'm walking in the flesh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control don't come naturally. Okay, so... I think the difference comes in supernatural versus miraculous. So there are many things that are supernatural. For example, we get we go to Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He absolutely did that in a supernatural way. So he he established his universe. And then he gave us what we call natural things. 
Like, for example, if I take a seed and I put it in the soil and the outdoor conditions are right, like, say, above 35 degrees, <laughs> uh, that seed is going to sprout. Right? And we have no idea why. We cannot explain what makes a seed grow, but it does. And there are many, many things like that that we call natural that are God's power in His creation. And I think that's the same thing with the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work in you and the Holy Spirit at work in me. Produce love, joy, peace, patience. Produce the fruit of the Spirit. But that, that is distinct in some way from a miraculous sign and so I, I gave you uh, C.S. Lewis there. C.S. Lewis defines a miracle thus. I use the word miracle to mean an interference with nature by supernatural power. He describes the integration of miraculous intervention and the natural world in this way. It is therefore inaccurate to define a miracle as something that breaks the laws of nature. And Lewis would go on to say that if you look at the miracles of Jesus, it's usually speeding up nature rather than interfering, rather than like going against it. For example, um, the water into wine. So um, it is possible for humans to make water into wine. We just have to go through God's natural processes of this is how you make wine. Or uh, Jesus is out on the lake Right, and the storm is there, and the disciples are terrified. And he stands up and he says, Peace, be still. And it stills immediately. The difference there would, would the Sea of Galilee have stilled at some point? Well, sure. Right. But not in the moment they needed it to. And so, God, in working miracles, steps outside of the natural processes or goes, goes beyond the natural processes. So I guess that's how I'd explain it. Is not, so not in the slightest to say that the fruit of the Spirit isn't supernatural, but to say that it's not miraculous. So I guess that's what, we'd, that's what we're offering there. Plank five. Old human race, new human race. Um, since the old one has almost everything in it that the new is, I'll focus on the new. Um, if you look in the old for just a second, you're going to see one phrase underlined, right? That says, to a place. So the underlined phrase is removed from the new doctrinal statement. And everything else is additions. So looking at the current statement. We believe that both man, Adam, and woman, Eve, were created in the image of God to enjoy a personal relationship with Him. As a result of deliberate disobedience, they fell from their sinless state, and they and all their descendants became sinners. Consequently, no one can save himself or herself, and apart from the grace of God in Jesus Christ, all are condemned to eternal torment. All humans still bear the image of God and are therefore intrinsically valuable, but all humans are now broken image bearers and in need of the restoration found in Christ. God distinguishes between the sexes. 
equally valuing men and women who both reflect his image. God ordained marriage to be between one man and one woman as part of his design, that some roles within the family and the church be distinctly male or female. I didn't do a word count, but I think this might have been one of the planks that we added the most actual text to. So um, I'd, like to, I'd like to do you a favor and me a favor all at once here. Uh, why don't you start considering the first question, what does it mean to be human, how does, and how does being made in the image of God affect what it means to be human? Start talking about that, um, and talk to somebody next to you about that for a couple of minutes while I grab a whiteboard out of the closet over there, and then we'll be able to record what some of your thoughts are about being human. Um. The wheels on this thing make a pretty cool sound. I like this. I got two. Regrettably, they're both black. You're kind of sad. All right. Let's see if your ideas are better than the markers. So, what did you come up with for what does it mean to be human? Just not an animal. Well, now let me, let me mess with you on that a little bit. So, it, in, so um, biologists classify us under kingdom animalia, which means... We are an animal. Oh, and we're mammals. 
right? So what did you mean by, because it's not that you're wrong, it's that we need to clarify. Human being. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. Right, okay, so, so we are not evolved from, from lower species. Okay, that's a very good point, and one that we're going to dig in a little deeper on later. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have, we have the, the scriptural ideas of body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, dear. Yeah. And... Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're the only thing in God's creation that's made in his image. Huh. Just good. It's very good. All right. What's the verse on that? I'd like to learn that verse. I didn't Oh, okay. My brother in the back. Yeah. Well, and breathe, it says, and breathe into his nostrils, right? Breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. Right? So God breathed life into Adam. You go ahead. Okay. So we so we are not not the same thing as angels. So what were you drawing from cuz I I think you said that we're higher than angels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, well there's so what you raise is not a topic I've spent a, lo- a lot of time considering, but I I want to put a a balance point into into your thinking about it because um I've got Psalm 8. And <clears throat> I wonder if maybe we're thinking about different aspects of time. So in Psalm 8, uh, we have 8.4, where uh, David says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, which in, I think in some translations has come through as angels. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So, um, hmm, that's funny. I was, I was expecting the word angels there. Psalm 8, 4. Mm-hmm. 
and we're not physically we're not physically in the presence of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird because I've I've got an IV. Yeah. No, it's good. And 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 Aaliyah's point is is certainly accurate. That Paul says, "Don't you know that we we will judge angels?" Like he's he's giving them kind of a pep talk, really. Right? Saying, "Come come on, come on." Um, is there anything else you wanted? Listed on here is what it means to be human. Oh, okay. So right at, right at the time of the creation. So it was good up until the creation of man, and then it was very good. Once man is in the picture, mm-hmm. it's all very good. Yeah, all right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. A rib, a rib is definitely more refined than dust. Yeah. <laughs> but all the best jokes have a little have a little kernel of truth in them. So no, I'll, I will take that for sure. Um, yeah, um, when, well, well, well said, well said. Um, so one other thing that I think we ought to touch on about being human is that being human involves being creative, right? Like, if you were to take houses or cars, that there's not just one car, right? Henry Ford famously said you can have a Ford any color you want to as long as, as, long as it's black, right? But the reality is, is there's thousands of models and thousands of options and thousands of ideas that people have put into cars or houses. I mean, houses go from the simplest little cottage, the simplest little mud hut to these grand, impressive structures that you can't imagine. And Kelly will help you. Yeah, Excellent. Thank you, Kelly. You can provide, all the options are on the table. Yeah. So, so, but just to think about that, now compare us to, say, a beaver. Beavers make structures, but there's no beaver family that ever sat down and said, you know, I think I'd like an extra room off the back here because we're having a new litter of beavers this spring. And, but they don't do that, right? They just do what God's hardwired into them to make for beaver housing. And so humans are creative. 
In Narnia, they're quite impressive. Yeah. And the Narnian beavers, of course, were created by humans. So, back to this. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that I always find interesting. Um, And, and in relationship with God, right? Constantly relating with God until the fall into sin. And then you're on this side, and you're thinking about what does it mean to be human at this point. And I would like to add to our list, capable of noble and horrific actions. Right. There are famous stories of self-sacrifice throughout human history by believers and unbelievers. And there are famous stories throughout history of sacrificing others for your own good. Right? I mean, that's the story of the 20th century is how many dictators rose to power and then just slaughtered millions of their own people. And, you know, you... Think, think of Stalin in Russia. Think of Hitler. Think of Idi Amin. Think of Pol Pot. You've got so many personalities in the 20th century who were just completely brutal to the people that they should have been leading and caring for. So, Yeah. Oh, it totally does, right? Is, you know, and and there's there's always, when you're into these issues, there's always a human level of it, and then there's, there's a, a spiritual realm level of it. And so um, some have suggested that the spiritual realm issue could be that uh, there are a lot of missionaries in the Ukraine and that the Ukraine is the sending point for missionaries into uh, the former Soviet Union and countries of that area and that perhaps that's what Satan is doing is he's attacking that missionary send-off base. Um, and then there are others who have suggested that um, on the human level, that kind of the Kiev and that, that area of the world is uh, a ground zero, so to speak, for the Russian Empire, and that for Putin to not have Ukraine makes him very annoyed, <clears throat> disgusted on a human level, that he wants Ukraine, and that's, that was part of the historic Russian lands, and why don't we have it? Um, and then there's the breadbasket issue as well, right? That Ukraine produces a lot, a lot of food, and Ukraine produces a lot of minerals, and so Ukraine's valuable land. So all that. Um, we'd better keep moving. We're on question one still. So, so the, the image of God plays into all of this, right? The, the, that we are unique from the rest of the creation. That's the image of God in us. Number two. The news statement specifically adds the names Adam and Eve to this plank. Why? What would you guess? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. But why, why name them? Because the, the old plank, <clears throat> the old plank says uh, that we believe that both man and woman were created in the image of God, just as man and woman, and now we've added Adam and Eve to that sentence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're, right, we're acknowledging, because back in plank number one, we said that we interpret Scripture literally, contextually, historically, and grammatically. Okay? Which means that if Genesis 1-1 says that God created an actual man, Adam, and an actual woman, Eve, such that they did not evolve from other species, then I, the point we're trying to make is that there was an actual Adam, and there was an actual Eve, and they really did have these interactions with God, right? They really did fall into sin. They really did walk with God in the cool of the day, you know, in, in the garden. Yeah. 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 These are these are these are named named folks. And in fact, that was one of Adam's huge jobs was naming. Right? Is he brought says the Lord God brought the animals in front of Adam to see what name he would give them. Naming bespeaks authority. Naming speaks of creativity. Right? That's one of the things that parents puzzle over when when you have your first child. Uh, you spend you spend months trying to come up with a good name for that child. And by the fourth or fifth one, you just like pull a grab bag and know whatever you got. And, okay, I'm kidding, but sort of. Um, yeah. So it it deals with <clears throat> with the reality of that the Genesis one two three accounts. Um, as far as you can tell, Genesis three. What caused the fall into sin? Perhaps. Tell tell me more about that. Yeah. Sheet, sheets are right there. You're y'all passing the sheets. I'm sorry, go ahead and say it again. Yeah, because by by the time by the time Adam and Eve are even tempted, 
Satan has already rebelled, right? And he's already come in the garden and he said, did God really say? And you notice that that's how it starts, right? It's introducing doubt towards the character and towards the promises of God. Did God really say? And now Eve is puzzled, right? Eve, Eve is talking it through. Oh, I did it, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and theologians will say that um, that God created Adam and Eve innocent. In other words, they were not confirmed in sinlessness, which is obvious from the fact that it didn't take them very long to fall into sin, and so the the uh, the sin uh, comes into the human race. What were the Yeah, <laughs> yep, right, right out the chute, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the serpent, of course, is twisting them on purpose. Yeah, and Eve is Eve is just working it out, right? Well, he said, he said. Uh, you will not, or so the question was, right, uh, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat f- fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat f- fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And then she adds a little something. You must not touch it, right? So she didn't get it right either. Uh, or you will die. Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So they go for it, right? Eve takes, she eats, and then she hands some to Adam, who should have objected at this point and did not. Right? And you see the tendency towards passivity in men from that moment on in human history is that men tend to go one of two directions, either incredibly passive, where they don't stand up and do the responsibilities that they need to do, or incredibly authoritarian, where they try to take all the control instead of giving freedom under their leadership. So, um, what were the immediate and long-term consequences of their choice? (laughs) They, They sure did, didn't they? They got a big education in evil almost instantly. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and it's not it's not that he's abandoned them. God had not abandoned his creation and he's not abandoned his image bearers, but they had created a separation between themselves and God. And in fact, the separation goes all different directions, right? It's a separation between human and God. It's a separation between human and human. There's no other human being that you will make perfect sense to, which is 
which is a hard thing to bear, right? Is that there, there's an aspect of me that no matter how much I try to explain myself or no matter how carefully I listen to you, we will never make perfect sense to each other. And then there's the relationship with nature, right? And God comes to them and says, man, you're going to be out there and you're going to be trying to make a living. You're going to be trying to get enough food to eat and it's going to be hot and sweaty and... And you're going to have to focus on boring real estate contracts where you go through all the lines. Seller shall pay, buyer shall pay, right? No. And, and you're, going to, you're going to earn your bread through the sweat of your brow. And the ground is going to produce thorns and thistles. And it does, right? Anybody ever had to deal with those burrs, the great big ones? I had so many of them growing on my property. I dispatched the kids last fall. I said, every plant that is producing burrs like that, you're going to clip it, and we're going to make a big pile of those things, and we're going to burn them, because that's the only way you can get rid of those, is just burn them down to nothing. So, all right. Um, Consequences I wrote down. Sin. Sickness. War, disease, poverty, malnutrition, imbalances, injuries, allergies, abuse, misunderstanding, alienation, inconsistency. Brain and childbearing. <laughs> yeah, that one was de- deliberately foretold. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It's all in there. Yeah. Not not like it is, right? Well, and until until the twentieth century, the greatest risk to a woman's life was childbearing. Right? The if you lived through your childbearing years, you were very likely to outlive your husband. If you didn't live through your childbearing years, your husband was very likely to find someone else because it's hard to be alone raising children, right? So, why? That's the reality. That's the reality on the ground, right? It's still the reality. (laughs) It's not good for man to be alone. (laughs) Yes, then for... That is true. That is absolutely true. Yeah, we are... We are not good at running it by ourselves. Oh, dear. Um, so we, we probably need to get a move on here because I think, I think the most interesting questions are at the end. <clears throat> so um, why don't I hit some of these in the middle kind of fast? And then if you want to say more about them, you can, but we can get on to the stuff that I think the folks who asked me to record this session really want to hear about. So um, do you sin because you're a sinner or are you a sinner because you sin? The biblical position is that you sin because you're a sinner. Okay, That the identity comes first. That as Adam fell into sin, Adam and Eve passed on that sin nature to each one of their children. And so, and you see that right away in Cain and Abel, right? Is that Cain murders Abel and, <clears throat> and Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God and so God gives them a new son, Seth, to carry on the line of the Messiah. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of evidence in Scripture that we sin because of the sinner identity. Um, thoughts or comments on that one? Okay. 
five. Five. Why is it important to say that all humans saved and unsaved bear the image of God? I think I'd rather have you respond to that one than me just say it. Why is it important to keep in mind that everybody bears the image of God? Right, and so the so Christ is restoring that image in each one of us who has who has come to faith in him. So the image is being restored in us. But I'm saying, what about the person who's not saved? Why is it important to remember that they bear God's image also? Because they do. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this has been the great lie. <clears throat> this has been the great lie throughout the ages. Whenever one group of people wants to do harm to another group of people, they somehow paint them as less than human. Right? If we were to take slavery, that was the argument of the slave owners. Is the, well, they're, they're not human in the same way that we're human. No. No, no, no. They're under God's curse. So um, any time anytime that one group has been oppressed by another, that's at the root of it, is saying that they're not fully human. That's the same argument with abortion, right? Is that the unborn baby, and now in a couple of our states, the immediately born baby is, is not actually fully human. You know, is it Maryland that's messing with that? It's one of the little states over there. You know. That is not going to bear good fruit. So, um, and I'm sure the same thing with, with Hitler, right? Hitler had a favorite race, the Aryans, uh, and he had some unfavorites. And all of his unfavorites uh, ended up, ended up uh, in gas chambers. So what am I on? Six. What does it look like to be a broken image bearer? So um, <clears throat> in the statement of faith, uh, we, say, we say all humans still bear the image of God and therefore are intrinsically valuable. So as a believer, you would never treat someone as inferior because they are made in the image of God, the same God who made you. Um, um, but all humans are now broken image bearers. And I just wanted to talk about that for a minute. What does that mean? Broken image bearer. I have a need, right? And you have a need. And the guys in the back have a need. And Adam over there has a need. right? All of us are in need of saving and redemption. So, so, but I want to dig into that. Like, What does it look like to be a broken image bearer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so your acknowledgement is a really good one. Like you will probably find someone in another religion 
who's a better father or a better wife or you know a better this or a better that just just because you have come to faith in Christ does not instantly make you completely repaired. Jesus is restoring the image of God in you at this moment, and he is continuing to work on you, but we all grow at different paces, so I think that's an excellent point. There's a point coming forth over here, too. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. We had an Audi a few years ago that had a driver's side mirror that was very clouded. Like, you could see the stuff in the mirror, but it wasn't a good picture. You didn't really like looking at it. And I think maybe that's a good metaphor for where we are right now, is you can see who God is by looking at human beings. You can see aspects of His character, but we do not image Him perfectly, right? We do not reflect Him in the, the complete way that Christ reflects him. So that's important. Uh, seven. Genesis one twenty seven, Genesis 5.2. I'd like to read those. Those are extremely important. <clears throat> Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then skip over to 5.2. I'll start at 5.1. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. Can you make some observations about maleness and femaleness and the image of God? Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. So God, God said that we are two genders, and um, that is wild stuff in today's world to, to make the assertion that there is maleness and there's femaleness. And I've heard, I've heard uh, different public personalities sometimes like going to TikTok or somewhere and reading the list of different supposed genders and I, I can't say any of them but I mean they they had just they had dozens they had dozens of of supposed ways of of experiencing or thinking about sexuality and the reality is that God's made us male and female and then did you get the other important aspect that the verse brought out what was it what's that Yeah. Yeah. So humankind, right? Man is both male and female, and therefore both male and female bear the image of God, right? You image God equally as I image God. That we're we're both made in his image. And that's emphasized in the Genesis one twenty seven and it's emphasized in the Genesis 5.2. So it's all in there. Um, <laughs> let's go into the scary one. Number eight. 
in our current culture, two ideas are under attack. One, that God's will is for marriage to be between one man and one woman. And two, that you are, in fact, male or female based on your anatomy rather than what you believe at a given moment. And by the, I'm just going to rant for a minute here <clears throat> because what we're actually into now is, um, is calls for physicians to be required to perform gender-affirming surgeries. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We so so the the medical establishment is being encouraged, is being coerced to say if a thirteen year old comes and says, you know, I. I just really know that I'm a man. And so gender-affirming surgery would be to take her 13-year-old body and cut it and shape it so that it becomes as much as possible a male body. And I hope, <clears throat> I hope the foolishness of that is evident to everybody in the room. That... We would not allow a 13-year-old to vote. We would not allow a 13-year-old to drive a car. But we would allow a 13-year-old to mutilate their own body in such a way that can never be recovered. That is bizarre, right? That, it, <clears throat> that is a terrifying aspect of our culture that's going down right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, and now we've got, we've got adults who did gender reassignment surgery starting to come out and say, I don't know that that was such a good idea. Right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And the... We're in half a rabbit trail here, but I think it's worth going there. Okay. The, group, the group of Americans um, born before 1946, 0.8% of them identified as LGBTQ+. 0.8. Okay, so all subgroups LGBTQIA+, okay. identified 0.8%. Um, in the current, the current, um, I, and I don't know the exact years, I think it's people born after 1996, if I recall. It was something like, there's, there's some subgroup where it's, where it's, I think it's up to 9% identify as all of those different things. Okay. And if you wanted to talk, and I do not believe in evolutionary biology, but if you wanted to talk from an ev evolutionary biological perspective, there is no reason on the planet to go from a 0.8% identification to a 10% identification in the space of 60 years. The only explanation for that is cultural pressure, right? That you're being, you're, you young person are being looked at by your peers 
and your peers see celebration online. Your peers see celebration of, oh, you're so brave. Oh, you're so, you're so cool. You know, you're, you're, you're the, you're the fresh thing. You're the new thing. And so, so many of our young people are just completely captivated by what other people, how other people react to them in social media settings. And you know what? We need to be honest. You don't have to be 20 to be affected by social media. If I get a bunch of likes for something, I'm, I'm really happy about that. And, and I'm way, be, like, I'm not at the point in my life where I should care about how many likes I get for anything. Right. So, we need to wrap this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. One other huge point that's related to this is that we're, we're seeing among people in all of the groups that are being discussed here who are saying, I need you to allow me to be my authentic self, and I need you to affirm that this is my authentic self. Okay. And what they do not understand, and what, and what they're being treated, they're really being treated very badly <laughs> by, by the people who are leading them into this, um, is that you don't become your authentic self in a vacuum. And so I want everybody under the age of 25, we got a big chunk of, of really young people over here, praise God. Um, but you don't become your authentic self alone. Okay? Part of my being my authentic self is to step into the role of husband or father or teacher or friend and so as we fulfill the roles that God's placed in our lives, we develop into the authentic self, right? Polly's a grandmother. 
that's a very important role. She's pouring into the lives of grandchildren, and she's also getting something back from that, right? When a little girl wraps her arms around you and says, Grandma, I love you, okay, that pours back into Polly, and it affirms that this role of grandmother is the role that God has placed her in at this time. Right? And so as we learn to celebrate the roles that God's given us and the right roles that God's given us, not the role of I'm going to be the person who, I'm going to be the first person who gets a tail attached to me, right? That's going to be fun. Oh my word. Yeah. But you're right. And the, the, the fascinating part, and it's, it's, it's spooky, but the fascinating part is like, what's rebellion going to look like 50, 75, 100 years from now? Because it's like, where else is there to go? And I don't even want you to say it out loud if you have an idea. Don't say it. Um, So, last thing on the sheet. um, What would be some roles that are distinctly male? What are some roles that are distinctly female? How do you decide? Um, Since we're out of time, I'm going to go heavy-handed on this one. So, um, within the Berean Fellowship, the role of pastor, so the, the preaching pastor, of a congregation um, is a distinctly male role, and the role of elder is a distinctly male role. And we believe that the teaching of Scripture is pretty clear on that, that men are to provide the covering, men are to provide the, I don't know what you'd call it, like the grand vision, the, the spiritual leadership for a body, and that, that that is not in the slightest because men are somehow better, but more that God has said, this is the way I want it to be done. And there's numerous passages in the epistles that deal with why and how of that. So, yeah. But you're about to. No, no, no. Yeah. But there's other churches that we would certainly call brothers Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I and I don't think that's a can of worms at all. I think that's a fantastic thing to point out. So did you catch did you catch what Joel was saying? So the Berean Fellowship has has drawn lines there and you're correct. There is primary and secondary doctrine in the human human race plank. Um, And we certainly could do an activity. We certainly could be, I don't know if the word fellowship is the right word. I mean, we certainly could work cooperatively with other churches that don't hold the exact same line on that. That, In fact, um, I sometimes share a pulpit with somebody north of town here um, who is who is a woman preaching? Um, that's another story, right? But um, as far as within the Berean Fellowship, we are committed. So any any BFC church that you went to, we are committed to that the pastors 
will be men and that the elders will be men. Yeah. I was working through that. Like, what, what would that be? And I think the, the only thing that I caught um, absolutely on that is that um, men cannot replace mothering. That there, there, is, there is nothing... <laughs> you, you women who are in the audience this morning here, you cannot be replaced by a man. Like, we can try, but when the chips are down, you know, that, that child in distress is going to want to go to mom. And there's just, there's something that's irreplaceable. And <clears throat> the other thing I would say, and I know I'm over time and I got to quit here, um, is God reveals himself as male, but there's clearly femaleness within who he is. <clears throat> Otherwise, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get women. Okay? And you also wouldn't get uh, Jesus saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. He uses female imagery, right? A mother hen gathering her chicks together and then re- reminds them, but you were not willing. So let's pray. We're going to be all done. God, we thank you for the conversation and the discussion that we've had. I pray that everything that was good and righteous and according to your character would stay with us. I pray that anything foolish that I have said would drop away. And I pray that when we get into controversial questions or questions that uh, hurt our hearts when we're considering them, um, I ask that we would go to your word and that you would gently teach us. You would bring us along from where we are to uh, maybe a more complete knowledge of you or maybe a more complete knowledge of your desires for us. So bless us, Lord God, as we wrap up here and uh, help us to fellowship with one another this morning and help us to celebrate that you are not a dead Savior, but you are a Savior who loved us enough to rise from the dead. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.